Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. And we do have with us today, from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Decker. We're going to talk about the prodigal son today, so if you'll turn with me to Luke, Luke chapter 15. When I was growing up, my my dad, he used to read this parable, and he used to say, you know, that parable's not fair. That parable's not fair at all, he said, because that one son went and squandered everything, and when he came back, dad rejoiced. And so I grew up thinking about that parable in that way because, you know, whatever Daddy says has to be right. But when, when the prophet began to open up about this, this parable, it all began to make sense to me. And I began to realize it's not about fair. My mom used to tell me and my sister when we'd get into an argument because one of us would get something and the other one wouldn't, and we'd go, oh, that's not fair. And she'd say, life's not fair. Get over it. Life's not fair. Get over it. What we think is fair and what God thinks is fair is two different things. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11. And he said, this is Jesus telling the parable, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me of the portion of goods that falleth to me. He wants his inheritance. And he divided unto them his living. Now not many days after, the younger son gathered up all altogether and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now for the Jews, that would be about the lowest thing you could do. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk, and the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring him hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, What are these things meant? And he said to him, Thy brother is come and thy father has killed the fatted calf. And because he had received him safe and sound, and he was angry, 
and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. And he answered, saying to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou gavest me a, never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, and has killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it is meant that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. He that was lost is found. Now I want to look today at these two, these two brothers and at, and at us as Ephraim. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9 verse 12. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. Now we're talking here, he's talking here to Noah. It's right after the flood. And when Noah came out of the ark, God put something in the sky as a token. You remember what it was? The rainbow. And we still see that rainbow today, don't we? It's still there. And he was telling Noah, he said, I put, I put this token, this sign. He put that rainbow there as a sign of the covenant between Noah and him and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generation. And perpetual means continuing on and on and on. And has that ended? No, it hasn't. It's still there. On down to verse 13, it says, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it's a token that God will not flood the earth again. And he hasn't. Verse 17, And God said to Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So God's made us, He has made a covenant here with all flesh that's on the earth that he won't flood it again. Not like he did with, with the ark. Let's turn to Genesis 17, chapter 17, verse 11. And now we're going to look at the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he made a covenant with Abraham. And he's talking about, the, again, the sign of, of that covenant. Verse 11 And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it will be a token of the covenant between me and you. So now God has singled out not everyone on the earth, but he singled out one person, Abraham. Abraham is who he has singled out. And he says, I'm making a covenant with you, Abraham. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now, for those of you who've been, been around, you understand about the covenant. We make a covenant when we get married, one to another. We make a covenant when we purchase a home or a car and we need to get a loan. We make a covenant with the bank. They say, we're willing to loan you the money if you're willing to make the payments. And if we quit making the payments, they're willing to take the vehicle or the car away from you. 
because they, we've made a contract, a covenant. And God was making covenants here. And he's saying, I will do this if you will do that. Let's see, we're looking at Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. And he's talking to Moses. Okay, look at 11. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this will be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, that when thou bring, brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So God's saying, Look, Moses, here is a sign that I'm sending you that when you brought those people out of Egypt, you're going to serve them on this mountain. Did that happen? Yes, it did. And we know that God, God sent Moses to do that. You realize when Moses went in, the people wasn't sure whether God had sent him or not? At one point, they wanted to stone him. You know, because remember, he went in to, to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, you know what? If you guys have too much time on your hand, we're not going to supply the straw anymore. You just go gather your own straw. Now, you realize that made them all happy, right? And who did they point the finger to? Moses. Go back where you came from. You come in with this big story about this burning bush that didn't burn up and how God told you to do this. Who do you think you are? Go away. Leave us alone. You just made things worse for us. But God had given Moses a sign, a token. He says, after you've brought him out, you'll come worship me on this mountain. Now, the problem with that was it hadn't already happened. He had to walk through it. See, sometimes we read these stories and we think, man, it must have been awesome to be Moses. No, it wasn't awesome to be Moses. Moses had to walk through it just like you have to walk through things down here because the just live by faith. And that's how we have to live our lives is by faith. So Moses had, had this, this promise from God and this token and sign. Exodus 12. Exodus chapter 12. God was always wanting to, to communicate with his people. Exodus 12:13. And this is, is right be, the, before the Passover. He's given the instructions about the Passover. And he's telling them, And the blood shall be unto you for a token upon the houses where you are. And they, there I will see the blood, and I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, he, what he's talking about here is most of you know the story. They had, to, they had to bring this lamb into their home. They had to have it in their home for so many days, and God specified exactly how many days. And then they were to kill the lamb at certain times. And, that, and then they took the blood of that lamb and they took hyssop and they put it on the doorpost of their home. And that was the sign or the token that God used to know he passed over their home. But they had to do what God told them to do and they had to do it right and correctly. And then they ate of that lamb that night. Have you ever thought about how those children thought, thought about that? There they had this little pet lamb and they all got just loved it. And they had such a wonderful time with it. And then they had to kill it, and then they had to eat it. See, those are the things we don't think about. We don't think about that, do we? Oh, well, God said, kill the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and he passed over them. Yay! See, they had to walk through that. And they had to do that. And they had to deal with those children saying, oh, a little pet lamb. 
I don't want to eat that. That's, that's the lamb. But they had to eat it. And that's what God wanted them to do. And sometimes we have to eat. Sometimes we have to eat things and we don't want to, don't we? Okay, verse 16, the same chapter. And the first day which shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there will be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work will be done in them, save that every man must eat, only may be done for you. And so they had, they had to participate in Passover. And that's what he's talking about here. And he's talking about how the first day is holy and the last day is holy. And they were to have a holy convocation during that time. And they were to celebrate that. And if you read, as, if you read more about it, and I don't want to get off on that today, but Passover is something that was to, to be celebrated forever. Exodus 19.5. 19.5. So now we have, we have read where God made a covenant with Noah and all the earth. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made covenant with Moses. He made covenant with the Hebrews. Now, in Exodus 19.5, we're going to see that he made covenant with the children of Israel. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, how many of us have read that scripture and said, I'm a peculiar treasure, God. Yeah, we have. We certainly have. But God was making that with those who keep His covenant. See, there was, there was a stipulation. You have to pay the payment, right, to the bank. You have to make the payment. Or the bank's going to come and take whatever you got the loan for, the collateral you put up. And so God said, you're going to keep, you are going to keep my covenant, and then you will be a peculiar people. You see, we were chosen. God chose us to be His people, and we and we've all taught we are His we're His children, right? And we understand that. Thirty-one, verse sixteen, chapter thirty-one, verse sixteen. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Now, let's read up into the 15th. It says, Six days may work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. Now, here he is saying, Okay, look, my children, the children of Israel, are going to keep and that's what they're going to do. And they're going to do it for a perpetual generation, a perpetual covenant, an everlasting covenant is how long they're going to do that. It's not going to end. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing it. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou 
that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive them out before thee, the Amorite, the Canite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hevitite, and the Jezebite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, and break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-warring after their gods, and do sacrifice for their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters and thy sons, and, and their daughters go a-warring after their gods, and make thy sons to go warring after thy, their gods. Thou shalt make no molten God. Now here God is warning them. He says, you're going to go into the Canaan land, the holy land, the land of milk and honey. But I don't want you to mix with the other inhabitants. Now wouldn't we have a problem with that now today in the U.S.? Everybody's equal. God didn't say they weren't equal. He said, I don't want you to intermingle with them because you will begin to serve their God. See, he wanted a holy and pure nation. You can't be a peculiar people if you're all mixed up with everybody else's God. And God said, I'm a jealous God. I am God. Those others, they're not God. And he wanted them to understand that. And whenever, whenever they would go and intermingle, guess what? They'd broken the covenant. And then God wasn't taking care of them anymore, was he? He wasn't taking care of them anymore. Then they would begin to, to not be blessed. In verse 27, and, Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, Write these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. So again, God is making, making that covenant. With, with Israel. Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. Verse 9. Actually, I want to start in, in verse 1. You shall make unto you no idols, nor graven images, nor rear you up any standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then will I give you rain in due season and the land will yield her increase and the trees of the field will yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vineyards and the vintage shall reach into the sowing time and you shall eat of your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land and you will lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand to flight. And your enemies will fall before you by the sword. And I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. But you see, they had to do their part. They had to keep Sabbath and keep the, keep the commandments. And if they did, doesn't that sound like Psalms 91? 
God said, if you will just do it, I'll take care of you. You'll be safe in your homes. You'll be fruitful in your, in your jobs. You won't go to work and bring home the paycheck and put it in the bank and it already be gone. You won't feel like that every time you turn around, there's an, an emergency that happens that swipes everything you try to put back to save. You won't be having, you won't be having to hear, go to the doctor for fertility pills so that you can have children because you're going you're gonna to be fruitful. You won't be barren. And your children, they'll be safe in your home. They'll be safe. They won't have to walk through metal detectors before they go into their school. And you won't have to worry that when, the, when you turn on the news that there's been a, a threat in your area. And whenever they go to war, they're going to win. They're going to win. That's if you keep my covenant. If you keep my covenant and you do it as I have commanded you to do. Verse 15. 14 and 15. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do these commandments, and if you will despise my statutes, and if you so abhorred my judgments, so that you will not do my commandments, but that you break my covenant. Verse 25. And I will bring a sword upon you that will avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered under the hand of the enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you, and in a fury I will, and I will, even I will chastise you seven times for your sins, and you will eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall you eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste and bring you your sanctuaries into desolation, and I will not smell the Savior of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and I will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. God said, look, you don't keep my covenant, I'll foreclose on your blessing. Simple as that. But then I'll go a step farther and all those blessings will just become the opposite. They'll become curses. You'll be walking in those curses. And you'll be going, gee, what's happened? What has happened? And you know what? If you read in the Old Testament, if you read over and over again, the Israelites served God, kept His commandments, and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, they quit serving God, quit doing His commandments, and everything went funny brown. And then someone, a prophet, or, or would come along and he'd pull out the covenant, dust it off, and he would take it to the king and he would read it and he would say, oh, we need to do this. And they would declare a fast 
And they would say, okay, we're going to do it. And they would begin to do it again, and the blessings would start coming back in. And we as Christians have read that and went, those dumb Israelites. Haven't we? Those dumb Israelites, they weren't smart enough to know to keep the covenant and that blessings would work. Have you ever been told when you point a finger, there's three pointing back at you? You know what we've done as Christians? We've read the Bible and we said, all these blessings of ours, right? And we've prayed in faith and believed them. But we don't have to keep the law. But you know what's happening? Over and over again as we tour, people are coming to me and they're saying, at the table and they're coming to prophet and saying, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. I sat and believed God for things and it's not working. Right? You know why? Because just like in that parable, we're starting to come to ourselves. And the Holy Spirit's tugging on our heart. And He's saying, you've got to keep my covenant. You've got to keep Sabbath. You've got to do it. And then the blessings will come. That time, that time has come where the, where the sound has come out. Ephraim, come home. Ephraim, come home. And just as in that parable, that son went out. And, and what I want us to understand, we are, we are part of, those promises were made to us or we would have never accepted Yeshua. We would have never accepted Christ into our hearts. We would have never done it. But when we accepted Him, then we became part of the family. How many of you understand about the being grafted in, right? We were either grafted in or we were already part of the vine. That makes us part of it. I have rose bushes at home. And those rose bushes are hybrid rose bushes, and they're grafted in. So the root system is a hardy rose bush because the special colors that I have, they're not hardy. And they're grafted in. But when I look at that rose bush, I don't look at it and go, well, the roots are the rose bush, and you, well, you're not. No, I look at it as a whole. Right? God looks at it as a whole. He looks at us that we are part of His children. And we are to keep His covenant. And we've been going along here going, oh, that's not for me. But all of a sudden, it just quit working. And now we're going, what's going on? And you know what? We're laying there. We're laying there throwing the, the slop out to the hogs. And we're going, man, I'm hungry. Spiritually, I'm hungry. And we begin to think about it. There are, those, there are those Jews, and we all know, they're the richest and the healthiest people on earth, right? But they don't have Jesus. They're not saved. How could that be? And we're starting to come to ourselves. And we're going, you know what, God? They, they don't have Jesus, and they have all this. What are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? We have Jesus. What are we doing wrong? 
We're not keeping the we're not keeping the covenant. We're not making our payment. Oh, we thought we were. Well, I go to church every every time the doors are open. I go to church. I worship you, Father, and praise you, Father. But the problem was the food we were getting lacked the meat. We were just drinking the broth. And we needed to get into the meat of God's Word. And we needed to understand the importance of keeping His covenant. And when you, when you go over and you read, you read here in Leviticus of all the things that God would give those who keep His covenant, and then you read the side of those who don't keep the covenant, which side are you on? I mean, quite honestly, which side, which side is happening in your life? Are you blessed in everything you do? Is your checkbook, when you go to make the bills, is it there? When your children begin to get sick and the sniffles, can you pray for them and they're healed? Or do you spend time at the doctor every, every month? Are you in the blessings or are you in the curses? And that's what we have to do. We have to do a self-examination. God, is this, is, is this really working? Is it really working? You know, I grew up in the Methodist church. And then I ministered in the Methodist church for about 12 years. And over and over again, we'd go into those little churches and it'd be filled with these wonderful, sweet ladies who'd served God for years and years and years. And they'd come up to me and they'd say, Honey, will you please pray? My children, they, don't, they, don't, they won't come to church anymore. They say nothing's happening here and it's dead. Well, those kids were right. Nothing was happening and it was dead. And I began to say, You know, God, when, when these sweet ladies and a few of the gentlemen that was there, but it was mostly the ladies that was left, when they die off, there's not going to be anything left in that church. They had like maybe five to ten people attending then. And it was over. It was done. Why? Because there was no power in the church. There was no anointing happening in the church. And I began to seek God and I said, God, I want the power. I want the power. I want to be somewhere where it's happening. Where it's happening, God. Where whenever I pray, I'm not praying, God, if it's your will, please do this. And I'm begging. Because when I read the Bible, God said it doesn't say anything about begging. He says, believe. Right? And we, we were in churches that were begging. And some of you are in churches that are begging. You need to be where it's happening, where you can believe and it happens. And God made it very plain here that to do that, you need to be keeping His covenant. You need to keep His covenant. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 7 is where I want to go. 
That's still in where I want to be. I want to be in chapter 7, verse 5. I turned that totally around. Chapter 7, verse 5. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn the graven image with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people. Wow. Do you feel that sometimes? Do you feel that you're chosen to be a special people above all people? No, we don't feel that, do we? We haven't felt that in our churches. The Lord said, the Lord did not set His love upon you nor chose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. And because the Lord loved you and because He kept the oath which He has sworn unto your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman and the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments for a thousand generations. Now, do the math. A generation is approximately 40 years. 40,000 years. It's not over yet, is it? His covenant is not over yet. Chapter 10, verse 15. Of Deuteronomy. Only the Lord had delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. So God wanted them to understand. He chose them. You see, he chose Abraham, and he chose Isaac, and he chose Jacob. And that's how we get the children of Israel, because he changed Jacob's name to Israel. And Israel had 12 sons. And we know about Judah and Benjamin and the Levites, right? But the ones that were lost, the ones that were scattered. And as you've been hearing this weekend, because they, because they decided when Solomon came along and they decided to... to uh, Solomon didn't obey, and God said, I'm going to split, the, split it up and rent it in half. And the northern t- tribes, they went north. That, that God said, I'm going to scatter them to the four corners of the earth. And they'll not be known by the tongue that they speak or the color of their skin. You know what that means? They were lost. They were lost. But did that make them any less God's children? No, it didn't. Do you think God lost them? No, He didn't lose them. He didn't. Because that's why He could pull on your heartstrings. He knows exactly who you are and where you're from. It's just the fact that we don't know. We don't know where we're from. We're lost. We don't know who we are. But God knows. God knows. Now let's think back about this parable now. This parable. You have the two sons. That would be the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Okay? And God gives them. God gives them their inheritance. That's the blessings of the covenant. But the younger son, 
The younger son, he takes off and he spends all of his with riotous living and harlots. And he wastes his. The other son stays right there with dad and he does the commandments and he does what what he's supposed to do and God blesses him. And finally, the younger son when the famine comes and he's laying there swapping the hog, he says, the Bible says he came to himself and he says, even my father's servants have plenty to eat. And he begins to return. When the, when the prophet presented this several years ago, he said prophetically that was what was coming. That was what was happening. We were coming to ourselves. And that's what's happening today. Those of you that are new to this, you came and showed up because you began to come to yourself. You began to say, something's not working right. Let's go hear what this man has. And you've been searching and searching. But as you read on down through, let's go to Deuteronomy uh, 28, 29. Deuteronomy 29. God, God began, He began to have mercy on us before we ever left that hog lot. God had mercy on us. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that, that you may prosper in all that you do. That you may prosper in all that you do. You see, God wanted to, to bless us. And that's what he wanted us to do. Second Kings, verse 18. Second Kings, verse 18. You see, when that son was sitting there feeding the swine, he'd been raised in that home and he knew. He knew he could prosper in all that he could do. And he's sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm not prospering. My father's servants are better off than I am. I messed up, God. Isn't it wonderful that God's merciful? You see, in the natural, we would be like my father. Hey, he got his inheritance. How many times have we been that way with people? They got what they deserved. God will give mercy to those who show mercy. He will give mercy to those who show mercy. God said, I am I want you. Second Kings, let's say chapter 18, verse 12. I'm not even there yet. I gave you time to get there. 18, verse 12. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed His covenant, all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and would not hear them, nor do them. Now that's explaining exactly what keeping the covenant is about, didn't it? It said all that Moses told them. Now sometimes people come back to the table and they ask me, they say, well, what is this keeping the covenant? What do we have to do? What do we have to do? Well, I can't tell you in two minutes back there at the table. That's why we have all that material back there so you can go home and study it. Right? But it is all that Moses 
And I always tell people, and, and we, we have tapes back there, or CDs, I'm sorry. Start by doing Sabbath. Start by doing Sabbath. But buying and selling from Friday night to Saturday night. Start keeping Sabbath. And then you'll gradually, you'll add the festival. And you'll add new moons. But you'll do it a little step at a time. And the story I always tell, tell people when they come up, because, you know, you, human nature is normal. We get all excited and we want to do it all tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, i got to do it tomorrow. Well, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. But what we've got to understand is that God looks at us because we suddenly have the want to, and we make the first step forward, and God's going, yay, they're going to start doing it. And it's like when you have a little child. We have a one-year-old granddaughter now. And when she was about nine months old, her mama called me and said, she took her first step, she's walking. And I'm going, yay, that's a little young. <laughs> but I went, I, I took take care of her when I get a chance. And sure enough, she, every once in a while, would let go. And she would take it. And then plop down on her diaper. But she was walking. That's how God looks at it. You're going to take that little step, and you're going to plop down on your diaper. And you're going to call your fellowship leader or someone and you'll go, I can't do this. Yes, you can do it. You just got to get up and take another step and keep trying. You know, she's, she's one now, our granddaughter, and she can go from here to there faster than we can keep up with her. But it took practice and it took a lot of times falling before she could do it. And that's how it is with you. You see, you weren't raised to do this. You weren't taught to do this. This is strange to you. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. And it doesn't mean it can't be done. You just start doing it. And you start learning. And you study the CD. And you study the Word. And you begin to do it. And you'll begin to see the blessing. Because God's not looking at you and saying, you took your inheritance. You made your choice. My son. Now, kill the fatted calf. Take this robe. I'm going to put it on you. And take my ring. You know, that ring was important. But that was their seal. That was important to have that ring put on. Now you're going to keep my covenant and I can bless you. We have people at our last quarterly that they began to give testimonies. See, it's one thing for Tom and I to stand up here and tell you how God's blessed us. Oh, yeah, but that's because you guys are in the ministry. But when we stand up here and we have people at the quarterly stand up and say how God's blessed them because they've begun to keep the covenant, now you're beginning to perk your ears up. Well, wait a minute. If it can happen to them, it can happen to me. Come home. Come home, Ephraim. We want to kill the fatted calf. We want to put a ring on your finger. Start to keep the covenant again. Start to keep the covenant once again. 
Be mindful of that covenant. Psalms chapter 25. Psalms 25, verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. You see, when that son was feeding the swine, the story went that no man gazed to him. No man was merciful to him. There was a famine going on. He was starving. He was hungry. No one was merciful to him. And he could remember the words that God, God said he was merciful and truth to those that keep his covenant. And he knew he had to go back home. He had to go back home. 105. Psalms 105, verse 8. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. You know, we, we teach this a lot, that God's commandments, that it's not ended, that it's lasting, it's perpetual. Do you know what I want to look at today? God said it was for a thousand generations. That means we're not too late. Yay! We're not too late. You know, sometimes you read this and you think, man, I have messed up so much, I am behind. And that's the reason why you want to hurry and learn it all. But you're not too late. Because it's for your generation too. You just have to keep the commandments. Remember us, I, I said how often we said, those stupid Israelites, didn't they understand? Why wouldn't they learn? Don't be stupid, Israelites. Don't not understand. Learn it. Learn it and keep it and see if God will bless you. I had someone come back to the table to me and they said, and, and this is such a nice religious thing to do. Well, I don't think we should do it for the blessings. I think we should do it because we love God. And I said, that's fine. Do it because you love God, but He's going to bless you. <laughs> you see, I have, I have a 12-year-old son at home, and he is my head gardener, okay? He's been the head gardener since he was eight. Because when I'm traveling, I can't keep up with the weeds. The horse weeds get this high. And so... I had to have somebody to be weeding when I'm gone because when I go home, I enjoy my flower beds. But they're not too pretty when you can't see them for the weeds. So he's my chief head gardener. Now, whenever he got this job at eight, he was so proud. I am the head gardener. And then, after the first summer, he began to realize that, man, you spend every waking moment pulling weeds because we have two acres. And so he gets to pull weeds. Now, he at first didn't pull them right. He just broke them off at the top of the ground. You know, and then guess what? The next rain, he gets the weed that, he goes, I just did that. Well, you're going to have to do it again because there's weeds there. And I began to teach him how to do it right. How to do it right. And now, 
he's a strong, muscular 12-year-old, and he can reach down there and he can pull them weeds even that I can't pull. And he gets them and brings them up by the root. And, well, he's got that yard looking wonderful now. Absolutely grand. And guess what? Mama's so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. And I brag on him all the time. You know why? Because he's doing his job. He's doing what, what we've instructed him to do. And he's doing a good job of it. And God says, you're my kids. Do what I instructed you to do. And do it with all your heart and do a good job. Don't just do it halfway. Don't just break it off at the top and leave the roots there. Get in there, muscle up, and do it right. And that's what's wrong with us. You see, we did, we did all the things over here, but we didn't do the covenant. God says, do the covenant. Get to the root of the problem, and it's not too late. I'm merciful. Let's look in Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 3. Actually, we'll start in 1. The word came into Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you, so ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. You see, we curse ourselves when we don't keep the covenant. Now, we saw that in the Old Testament, didn't we? We saw that because we're going, those dumb Israelites. Give it a whirl. Try it out. Do it for a year. See if it makes a difference. Oh, there'll be persecution. There'll be people that'll say, oh, you really went off the deep end now. What do you think you're doing? You're not Jewish. No, I'm not Jewish. I'm Hebrewic. You see, we're children of God. That's who we are. We're children of God. You see, when I was growing up and I became a teenager, I suddenly decided that some of the rules of the household just didn't apply to me because I was a big girl now. And especially this one rule about when you go out on a date, you have to be home by 10 o'clock. I just didn't like that because all my girlfriends, they didn't have to be home until 12 o'clock. And I thought 10 o'clock was totally unfair. And I remember going in front of my mom and dad and explaining this to them. And you know what their reply to me was? As long as you live underneath my roof, you'll obey my rules. You get your own house, you can make up your own rules. You know what happened when my daughter got old enough to date? You will be in at 10 (laughs) o'clock. Mom, now mind, it's only been 20 years ago that I thought 10 o'clock was way too early. And now then, her friends were staying out till 1 and 2. And I'm going, you'll be in at 10. 
There's nothing to be done after 10 o'clock that's going to be any good for a young girl your age. And as long as you live under my house, you're going to laugh. Do you know something? We're just like that. God, I want the blessings. I want to be fed, clothed, have a place to sleep. I want all this stuff. But I don't like the 10 o'clock rule. And you know what God said? As long as you're going to live under my house and have my blessings, you are going to do my rules. And if you don't like it, you won't live under my blessing. And so what have we done? Like wonderful, rebellious teenagers, we moved out. But we keep going back and saying, what's in the fridge? (laughs) The problem is it's only leftovers. And we're whining around. Could you loan me some money? I need some money because they're going to they're gonna shut off my cell phone. And I can't live without my cell phone. And God's saying, just keep the covenant and you'll be blessed. See, when you quit doing the covenant, you cursed yourself. And they are going to shut off your cell phone. And you are going to have problems with this. And you are going to have problems with that. And you're sitting there going, please, God, please, God. And he's going, boy, I'd really like to bless you. And he, he, you know, it's just like mom and dad. Well, here's 20 bucks. Because he's merciful. But he goes, just keep my covenant and you can have all the blessings. But no. We're big girls and boys now. Come home, Ephraim. God wants to bless you. God wants to take care of you. And besides that, keeping his covenant's not hard. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy and it's light. It's not a burden. It's not a burden. I had someone come to me and say, well, I just don't want to do this covenant thing because that's bondage and, and you're in bondage. And I said, well, if I'm in bondage, leave me alone. You know, I like it when I write uh, write the bills out of the checkbook and there's something left over when I get done. I like it when an emergency comes up and the provision for that's there. I like that. And if that's bondage, just don't wake me up. Don't untie me yet. Because I like that. You know, I like it that my children don't come to me sick all the time. I like that. That's wonderful. I like it that everything we put our hand to prospers. I like that. I believed that for years and years I believed that. And it finally happened, but it didn't happen until I started to keep the covenant. And that's when it happened. You know how I likened it to? I clawed and scratched, begged, pleaded, and prayed for every blessing that came along. 